This morning, we're going to start a new series. By the way, if uh, you've been here the last couple of weeks, if you're new to our church, hi, my name's Bruce, and I normally preach here, (laughs) but the last couple of weeks, we've had guests, and they were both phenomenal. They both did an outstanding job. So good to have Dr. Daryl Wooten, our district superintendent, with us the last Sunday in April, and the last week to have Dr. Lee here with us from Seoul, Korea, was an absolute treasure. What a gift and what a great time. But today you got me. So since I've missed two times, I'm preaching three sermons today to get caught up. And uh, we're starting a new series called The Always God. We do have books that go along with the title. Now my sermons are not coming from here. Uh, They're along the same theme line, but I would encourage you to get the book and read it. Here's how we do things like this always at the church to the best of our ability. It's a $16 book. They cost us about 10 to get them here. So they're available for a recommended minimum donation of $10. Let me be real clear because this applies in a lot of other places what that means. If you can give 10 bucks, great. If you can't, just pick up the book and take it. There's no requirement. Nobody's going to be out there going, hey, you know, where's your money? If you take the book and you don't put anything in there, go enjoy the book. God bless you. Now, if you want to give more to help for someone who maybe can't pay, you can do that. We'll leave that between you and God. But just so you kind of know how that happens, they cost us about 10 bucks a piece. When you pick up your book, follow my example here. See right there? That's my name. See right there? That's my name again. See right there? That's my name a third time. So I'm pretty sure if anybody picks this book up thinking it's theirs, if they have eyes to see, they will recognize that belongs to Pastor Bruce. So when you get your book, there's going to be about 250 of them floating around among our congregation probably. So write your name on it in a very clear and conspicuous place right off the bat so people will know it's there. So I'm going to do four sermons on this theme of the God who's always there for us. And actually today, that's what we're going to be talking about. The always God who is always here when we need him. Next week, we're going to look at it. Next couple of weeks, we'll look about the God who is always working in our lives. And they'll all kind of connect a little bit through. And then the last week, we're talking about the God who is always faithful that we can always count on. We are trying to um, encourage you, and we maybe have not done the best job we could this year, but to read a chapter of Proverbs every week, been corresponding to the, the week of, of the year that this is, the Sunday. This is the 19th Sunday of 2022. So this week from, from Proverbs 19, this is a great verse. The NLT, it reads this way, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Make wise decisions to preserve your life. Read and heed the word of God. This morning, I want to talk to you about this truth that God sees you, God hears you, and God answers you. Way back in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3, taking a little bit of a storyline here, and I'll explain a little bit about it in just a moment. It says, then the Lord told Moses, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, I have heard their cries of distress because of their hard, harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so 
I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I just got to insert this right here because that phrase for most of us has very limited meaning. The younger you are, probably the less it means. If somebody told me a place is flowing with milk and honey, I would think that sounds pretty sticky, pretty icky, pretty wet. But flowing with milk and honey means this. So this is my way of saying it for you today. It's a land flowing with Pepsi and pizza. A land with discount stores on every corner. The good stuff. What that means is it's a land of bountiful supply. So it's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. So here's the backstory. The Israelites had come to Egypt at this point right here about 430 years prior to this writing. They came to Egypt of their own volition, their, their own action, because there was a famine in the land. So they're coming here because of the famine that has occurred where they live. They go where the food is. But here's the problem. After about 30 years of being in Egypt, they became enslaved by the Egyptians and remained that way for 400 years. There's a lot of lessons to learn right there. One is this. Don't let your blessing become your curse. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? How can a blessing become a curse? Here's how a blessing becomes a curse. When God blesses you with financial gain, and that gain should be used to bless him and to enjoy in life, but instead, it develops in you the qualities of a miser. Qualities of a greedy person. You keep thinking, I need more, I need more, I need more. And before long, you're consumed and enslaved by greed. See, the blessing of God should always lead us to be thankful to God and to depend upon him more. Here's what happened. And God warned this at another spot about when they come out of Egypt. He says, when you get back to the land of Canaan, and you are blessed, and you have everything that you need, be careful that you don't say, look what we have accomplished. But always remember, it's God that gave it to you. You see, if we're not careful, we can begin pursuing things that aren't necessarily evil, but they can take us down a path of destruction. Boy, this is such a pertinent topic for today listen trust God to be your provider trust God to give you guidance what a tragedy is when we forfeit closeness with God so that we can achieve success in this life Pastor Kevin this goes back a few years ago it'll tell you how far back it was by the statement when I was a youth pastor I used to say to our students and to our church when it came time for camp, 
don't forfeit one of the greatest weeks of your life for $3.35 an hour. Well, I want my kid to learn how to work and how to... $3.35, that's how it tells you how old it is. It's what, $7.50 an hour or whatever it is. Some places, $14 for fast food workers. I don't understand that, but anyway. Here's the point. There were kids back in that day, and there still are today, and there are parents this way today, that they were working eight hours a week, making $3 and something an hour, but they weren't going to go to camp because they didn't want to give up their part-time job at McDonald's. Your amens are deafening. There's something more important than chasing the dollar. I'm probably going to make somebody mad right here, but why stop now? You got to make the decisions that are right for your family and know that if you pray about it, I'm going to encourage you and support you all that I can. But there are too many parents who are letting their kids' activities run their entire existence and they do it thinking they're helping their kids out and they need to get them back into church. Newsflash, your kid's probably not playing in the NBA and I doubt they'll make the major league team. And if they make the NFL, even if they make it, the lifespan there of playing is about four years. And I see parents who sacrifice everything. That wasn't even in the sermon. I just needed to say that. Don't let your blessing become your curse. Always depend on God. Draw near to him. Here's the deal. God would lead them out of Egypt, lead them into the land of Canaan because their slavery was oppressive and they began to groan in distress. Now, let me fast forward, not in the notes again, but just get this thought. Isn't it amazing that just a few months down the path from here, when they're crying, they're groaning, they're moaning, oh, God, deliver us. When they get deliverance, you know what they say to Moses? You remember, right? We wish we could go back to Egypt because they had garlic and onions. Let's not be fickle. Can I get a witness from somebody? Instead, let's be grateful and let's recognize God's presence. God was bringing them out because they were in distress. They probably felt abandoned. They had been there for over 400 years. There are times where you may feel abandoned in life, but let me tell you today, hear it clearly. You are not abandoned and you are not forgotten. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not understand it, but hold on to the promise of God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Resist the temptation to believe that you are forgotten. You see, God's always intimately involved in every aspect of your life. John Piper has a quote. I love this. He said, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. I mean, none of us are in here right now going, come on, lungs work. Come on, heart beat. God's got all those things on autopilot. And you don't even think about it. 
Now, if there's a smell in the air, we'll probably go, wow, there's kind of an odor today that we don't like if there's smog or if there's pollution, which, by the way, we created. Oh, just a thought. But you don't think about the air quality. You don't think about how God designed the world where the sun is just at the exact, exact right distance from the earth that it operates in a way that we can live on this planet and have life. You don't think about how water goes up, comes down back through the clouds, trees grow, fruit grows, animals are, are, are tended to and they grow. How all of these things happen. God's doing 10,000 things in your life. And you're probably not aware of three of them. God is at work all the time. He does see you. He does hear you. He will speak to you. And he will deliver you from all your problems. Psalm 34, 19. It's kind of the bad news, good news verse of the Bible. Bad news. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Wait, what? Pastor, no, don't say that. Look, folks, whether I say it or not, it's true. The reality is we're all going to have problems in life. We're going to have difficulties. And no matter what the things are you have in life, there's always a day when we wish we had something different. But listen to the back part of this verse. That's the bad news. Here's good news. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Everyone, he leads us into a place of deliverance. Three things. Number one, God sees every detail of your life. Listen to Psalm 33. It says, the Lord looks down from heaven. He observes everyone. Say everyone. He gazes on all. Say all. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He forms the hearts of them all. Say all again. He considers, say all again, all their works. See, God sees your pain. Whatever you're going through, when you feel like you're abandoned, you're alone, you're not. God sees the pain of your heart. He saw the pain of Israel while they were there in Egypt and he was involved in a solution. The problem is he doesn't always do it like we dictate. Several years ago when I lived in West Memphis, we were planning a big community event there and a 4th of July event. I'd helped contact a, a person I knew to bring in uh, some professional fireworks and different things. And one of the businessmen in town was in the committee meeting. He looked over at me and he said, hey, preacher, we need you to pray and talk to the big guy and tell him not to let it rain on July 4th. I said, well, I'll, I'll be glad to pray about that, but I need to clear up one point of your understanding there. I said, uh, I work for him. He doesn't work for me. <laughs> See, we think sometimes because God doesn't do it the way we say that he somehow has slipped up or messed up somehow, but listen, God sees your pain and he is at work. He sees your problem. One of the, the most interesting passages, and you go back and read it all later, Genesis chapter 16. You remember Abraham uh, was married to Sarai, and God told Abraham, you're going to have a, a son, and out of your son will be descendants like the, the sea, uh, like the sands of the shore, and, and like the stars of the sky. You remember that story, right? Well, Abraham's getting up in his mid-80s. He doesn't have any kids. So he does what we often try to do. Let us help you out, God. 
God, we know you promised, but we can figure out how to make this happen. So all of a sudden, Sarah and Abraham are talking, and Sarah has a, a, a maid who named Hagar who's younger, and, and she says, hey, Hagar, go and become a mother to Abraham's seed. Okay, first of all, that's just messed up. But they go through with this process. Hagar becomes pregnant, has a son, calls him Ishmael. And then guess what happens? All of a sudden what Sarah thought she wanted wasn't what she wanted. And so there became bitterness and there became jealousy and there became all of these issues that developed because of that to the point that later on, Hagar is going to be put out, but she's calling out to God at this time in Genesis 16. And listen to this verse. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. One of the ways you would use that in the Hebrew language is Jehovah Roy, R-O-I, Roy. Jehovah, the, one, the God who sees. I think it's pretty cool that Hagar gave God a nickname the God who sees me. And she also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? God sees your problem. God sees your heart. First Samuel 16, the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Talking about Eliab, the, the oldest son of Jesse, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, that word either makes you really, really happy or really, really, really fearful. Because if you're doing your best, you're working hard, you're giving your best effort, God knows it. Take comfort in that truth. However, if you're showing up every Sunday and you're trying to put on the right face and the right look, but the rest of the week, your heart's somewhere else, God knows that too. God sees your heart. God sees your work. We just used that verse a minute ago that told us that, that God is looking at the works of all men. It's not that our works save us. We're never saved because we do enough good things. But when we are saved, we will want to do good things. That is one proof of your salvation, your actions. Actions speak louder than words. I'll come back to that in just a moment. When God sees you, I want you to know that. 1 Peter 3.12 says, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. God sees you, and it leads on to say God hears you. And that's the second point. God hears every cry of your heart. God hears our cry for help. Psalm 18, 6 says, But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ear. God hears you. In our modern age, where most of us have one of these things close by, and we can look and people can call us. Isn't it amazing still sometimes how hard it is to get a hold of people? I used to say one to my kids when they were still living in the house, that phone, number one, was purchased by me so that I can get a hold of you anytime I need to. Anytime that you see me or your mom is calling you, you had better answer or you will lose your phone. It kind of worked. 
But I'm happy to tell you this morning that God never puts you on hold. He's always listening. He always hears you. You may not feel it. You may not see it. But believe me, God is at work. God hears your confession of sin, and he promises forgiveness and cleansing. The Bible makes it real clear to us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What does that tell me? It tells me that any time that I confess something in my life that's not right, he hears me and he responds to my cry. God hears our word of praise. He responds to the praises of his people. Now, none of these things are intended to be manipulated to try to get God to do something. They come from a pure heart. And when our heart is pure in worshiping God, he delights in dwelling in the praises of his people. And the praise that is probably the sweetest is when life is most difficult. I think about Paul and Silas in the jail at midnight, the darkest moment, they're singing praises to God. I love this picture. I don't remember where I heard this storyline from, but I love this thought. So they're singing praises to God at midnight in the deep recesses of the dungeon of the prison with their bodies paralyzed because they're in the stocks and they can't move and everything is just painful and harsh and rough. And they begin to sing a praise song to God. And the way I heard the story, this is a little bit of imagination here. Probably didn't go quite like this, but it kind of makes the point. I kind of believe that when they were singing, some of the angel band said, can we join in? And all of a sudden, there was a little trumpet going on, a little lead guitar playing. It probably was a harp, but I'm going to say lead guitar. Little keyboards came in and played in and filled in some notes. And the bass started thumping pretty good. And all of a sudden, whoever plays the drums in heaven said, can I jump in? And the drummer in, in my story is kind of like Animal off the Muppets. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the noise began to grow, joining in with Paul and Silas. And before long, it just popped open that door, broke open those stocks, and they came out. Because the praises of God brings the blessing of God, brings the presence of God. You keep praising him. You keep thanking him. This is not a gimmick or an attempt to manipulate him. It's not mystical or superstitious. It's genuine praise. God hears our prayers and he promises to answer us. Jeremiah 29, 12, then you will call upon me and come to and pray to me and I will listen to you. Some of you need to underline that and circle that. This is God's promise, and I'm holding to it. Psalm 91.15 says a very similar thing. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. God speaks to every moment of your life. God speaks in, in, in several different ways. I'm going to give you eight different ways he speaks. This is kind of out of the book with a little bit of addition and change, but you can read it there later. God speaks through creation, first of all. Here's what I mean by that. Creation demands a creator. That's a basic principle of life. Now, you might come up to me and say, hey, who made that podium that you use at church? I have no clue who made it, but I know someone did. You remember this story that's one of the funniest lines in the Bible? 
is when it's funny because of the absurdity of, of it's sad, but it's funny because the absurdity of the excuse that, that, that Aaron is trying to give for his activity. Moses is up on the mountain meeting with God, and, and the people of Israel go, grow restless. So if you think that's a new problem, <laughs> it's one of the oldest in the book. God, why aren't you doing something now? God, show up and just shake everything. God, I wish you would just fix this today. And they're kind of, where's God? What's he doing? And it's not working quick enough for them. So they go, you know what? We're going to do something different here. Everybody bring me your gold. Now, first of all, that was a real step of faith. Everybody bring me your gold. We're going to melt it, and we're going to make a golden calf. And that's going to be our God. So Moses comes back down from the mountain after he's met with God. He's really ticked. He's really upset. And he looks and he says, where did this come from? And Aaron says, well, we just threw it in the fire and it kind of just happened. It's kind of like when you ask your kids, where's this crayon mark on the wall? Where'd that come from? I don't know. It just appeared magically. Well, I think I know where the magic is. It's in your crayon box. We tend to get in this place where we don't recognize God is at work. God speaks through creation. Creation demands a creator. It doesn't just happen. The Bible makes it a great statement about our bodies. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. There are probably, I know there are in the room, some really good artists. Somehow, that gene missed me completely. I'm one of the few guys that can draw a stick man, and you have to guess. I'm not sure what that is. Think of all the detail and attention that God put in every one of us in our bodies. And the way they function, the way they work. Think of how God put planet Earth together so that it would nurture life. Think about the stars and the galaxies. And the Bible says they are just the work of his fingers. <laughs> wow. Creation tells us there's a God. And he speaks to us through his creation. He takes care of the flowers and the birds. He speaks to you through his word a second way. Bible in Hebrew said in days gone by he spoke to us primarily through the prophets now he speaks to us through his son Jesus and his son Jesus says I am the word of God God's word is primarily and is the standard for everything else that we hear of how God speaks to us God speaks to you through your conscience now let me give a, a quick disclaimer right here if you are not following him by all means, do not trust your heart because the Bible says the heart is wicked beyond your understanding. But when your heart has been consecrated to God, you'll hear that still small voice. As a matter of fact, even when we're living in sin, when we do something wrong, until we sear our conscience, we know we've done wrong. When you do something you shouldn't do, what's the first thing people do? They look around to see, is anybody here? I'm getting ready to steal something. I want to make sure there are no witnesses. 
getting ready to do something I shouldn't do. I want to make sure nobody catches me. Why is that? Because God put a conscience in us between right and wrong. God speaks to you through that. It's that conscience that draws you to him and lets you know that you need forgiveness. God speaks to you in prayer. By the way, a lot of people don't get this. They think prayer is talking to God. Prayer is also listening to God. When you pray, wait for him to speak to you. I would encourage you to use your iPad or get out an old-fashioned paper pad or something you can write on or take notes on. And the more you do that, the more clear it will be, the more you'll hear God talk to you. When you pray, ask him to speak to you. And when he speaks, write it down so it can have impact in your life. He does speak through circumstances. Sometimes things in life are direction for you to follow, things to do. He speaks through Christian counsel. He speaks through brothers and sisters who will encourage you to do what's right and to hear his voice. He sometimes speaks to us, and it's kind of a weird way to think about it, but he speaks to us in the silence. And in those moments, we don't hear his voice the way we want to. What he's saying to us at that moment is wait patiently and trust. Because he's always working out things for our good, even when we don't see it. Even when we don't understand it. Listen to this verse, Psalm 27, 14. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Lamentations 3, 21 through 26. You'll know a little part of this as I read it. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I said to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, you know it well. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. The eighth way God speaks to us is through his actions. And his actions proclaim his love for his children. The Bible says this. No greater love could anyone show for someone else than to lay down their life for them. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you and I might have a relationship with God. Listen, it's not about rules. It's not even about religion. It's about relationship. Those other things have value and purpose, and they, they come into play. But number one, it's about a relationship with God, and that changes everything. When I know him, and when I know that he's the always God who sees me, who hears me and who answers me. It changes my life. I want you to bow your heads across the room. In just a few moments, we're going to take communion. But before we do that, I want to give the opportunity for, for you to respond to what God is saying to your heart today. 
You know, one of the beautiful things about God is, is we're talking these terms, and let me get into some theological words that you've probably heard before. What, what I'm declaring to you today is that God is who he declares himself to be. He is omnipotent. He has all power. There's nothing too hard for him. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. That's the one I want to just touch on for a second here right now. Because he's omnipresent, he right now is speaking to every one of us in the room if we'll open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. He's encouraging you. He's challenging you. If you have abandoned him, he may be rebuking you so that you can confess and find forgiveness. But he's speaking to you right now exactly where you are in life in a much more specific way than I ever could. And I thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to make this very general. It's not typically what I do, but I want to do this today. If you would say right now, Pastor, something that you said or something the Spirit has illuminated in my heart right now has touched me and spoken to me. And I'm glad that God sees me. I'm glad that God hears me, that God answers me. And I want to hear his voice every day. I, I want him, I want to know that I can trust him and grow in that confidence. And I just want to commit my life to him today. This is a, a first time. This is, uh, if, if you've been away, you're coming back. This is if you're walking with him every day. So in other words, I hope everybody will respond to this. If that's your heart, don't do it out of just trying to be compliant but if that's in your heart today if that's where you are would you just lift your hand all across the room with me and say that's the person I want to be and I thank God for his faithfulness thank you God that that you hear me that you see me Lord Jesus I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit it's taking place even right now touching hearts and changing lives Lord, give us faith to believe. Give us a trust in you, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you are at work. Lord, may we not become blinded by the blessing and think that's the end result. The blessing leads us to you. We don't worship the blessing, God. We worship you, for you are the provider of the blessing. May we never get stunted in the middle. But may we grow in our faith. We thank you that you see us, that you hear us, and that you speak to us. May we hear your voice and live in obedience. In Jesus' name I pray.